0: On there are certain bands that have have broke up or, and probably will never get back together again, but I still want to play their tunes because I still think they have life in them and I think mm-hmm. people will like oh, them yeah. and maybe it will inspire them to either get back together or create new music in right. the end. This is Beyond FM.
1: Hey, this is Jeff from Gravity Kills, and you're listening to Beyond FM. Peace, quiet, and good order will be maintained in our city to the best of our ability.
2: Riots, melees, and disturbances of the peace are against the interest of all our people and therefore cannot be permitted.
1: interrupt this program to bring you... (laughs) On behalf of the United States government... (laughs) We interrupt our program to bring you this important
2: message. Stand by. How I'm All right, St. Louis, I want to hear everybody sing this. Come
1: on. Hey, St. Louis. Beyond. Radio. Beyond. That's Now, here comes the music.
0: Thank you so much for checking us out. This is what I have created and it is called Beyond FM and what we do is we play the best of everything STL and we do it in many ways. First of all, we we've this is marks the 3rd year anniversary of when we started as just a little bitty podcast on Monday nights and now we've become a 24-hour internet radio station that plays all St. Louis music. And we also have a free app that you can download for iOS and Android. And it's a it's perfect way for you just to Bluetooth to your car or get an auxiliary cable and listen in your car and enjoy you know, music from St. Louis and surrounding areas, both old and new. And I think you'll enjoy it. Plus, we also have our website, which is beyondfm24-7.com. And that's where you can check out Everything current in the local scene, including a concert calendar. We also have the track of the week. We have video of the week. We also have um, an archive of previous episodes of interviews and things like that. So I think you will enjoy it if you're a, um, even if just a music fan, but especially if you're a St. Louis scene fan or anything like that, please check it all out. I think you will enjoy it. Now, today, Marks, like I said, marks the three-year anniversary of when we started everything, and I have so I have a lot of people to thank tonight, and so bear with me before we get into this wonderful conversation that me and Jeff from Gravity Kills had last night. So, I got to thank my team, especially uh, Patrick Booz from for being there from the very beginning. Uh, Jeff and Jen Nichols, they've they've done wonderful things in the scene way longer than I have. And then I have my new people, Rustin Smith, Joe Friedman, and Danelle Yale. They are all killing it and they are all dedicated to bringing awareness to the scene as much as we possibly can with what little money we have, but it's a a lot of effort going towards it. And a lot of heart also got to thank our sponsors as well and that includes Pops that includes Gaslight that includes Rockstar Taco it includes uh, Shamrock's Pub and Grill, The Ink Spot Daniel Artemisi, Creative Chloe's Cakes and Bakes STL Entertainment uh, Throttle America I'm trying to think I'm sure that I get everybody in Uh, I believe that is all and also much love to uh, folks like Shane Presley from rock paper podcast Brittany bernie uh jim fishback um frost money uh frost money is also part of the team now too so that is that is awesome uh, i have so many more <laughs> that i want that like I'm, I'm like feeling like I'm accepting an award which i am because in reality when i started all this i didn't think it was gonna last this long for one we went through a you know a pandemic everybody did and trying to start an internet radio station during a pandemic, and we needed live events and everything else to really get our name out there, and we haven't been able to do it. It's just been all word of mouth, and it's been incredible. Uh, We've been showing uh, growth. I mean, granted, yes, I would love to see more growth, but consistent growth as we go along just by word of mouth. And now we are beginning to uh, book Beyond FM-branded events and stuff. So, hopefully, the word gets out there, and hopefully, we do uh, do something special for the community, for the St. Louis scene, for some of these younger artists, and maybe even help some of the other artists. Plus, we hopefully we get big enough to where we can really help charities and we can fill venues and and just all that stuff. It's it's very important to us, and we and it comes from our heart. And so, thank you for tuning in. So now I will shut the f up, and <laughs> we'll get started. Uh, basically, I'm going. To, Jeff took a lot of time out of his uh, out of his life. It was a great two and a half hour conversation with me and him, and we just talked about all kinds of things. So you're going to get most of it, but it's going to be more highlights. And we're and tonight, you know, I, I get to celebrate the great band Gravity Kills. And if you're if you've never heard of them or you barely heard of them or maybe you've heard them on certain radio stations around town, then this is something that you will dig. It's really insight on a lot of things that go on in the uh, music industry, plus uh, the music scene, the St. Louis scene back in the earlier days, if I want to call it that and so much more so i encourage you to stay tuned tuned in enjoy some great music from gravity kills and a great conversation with jeff and we'll get to it right after this The best of everything, STL. It is beyond FM, and as promised, as advertised, and all that stuff. I did not lie. Gravity kills tonight. And on the phone, I have Jeff from Gravity Kills, and we're going to talk about all kinds of good stuff. So, uh, this is me and Jeff's first conversation together, which is really cool for what I do. I bring this up all the time that usually the first time I meet people is through a recorded conversation. So, and then after that, we like, we become BFFs and stuff. So,
1: <laughs> <All right. laughs> I just use one.
0: <laughs> so, uh, let me get backtrack for you for a little bit, just so we, because uh, in a way, we're kind of on. The same page, at least from the beginning. Now, now, granted, Gravity Kills went and branched off and did amazing things. But in 1984, um, I started a band. Well, I was in a band or joined a band as a singer um, called Organic State. And at the same time, Gravity Kills was formed. Now, we, you know, naturally, Organic State did not go very far. We went far enough, and I was happy with that. Um, but let's talk about first, uh, what I want to talk to you about, um, at least towards the beginning, because a lot of the younger kids who may listen to this, but also it's, it's will be good for the, the older listeners too, about the whole process and everything else. But back then, and you'll remember this, and I bring this up a lot is that the point had uh, the local show and it was like three hours long on a Sunday. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, there were, and and that was something that a lot of both rock, you know, and alternative stations back in those days did. Um, I think it was a way they could fill up Sunday nights and try to get people to listen normally when people wouldn't listen. And I think that was a way to, you know, sort of if they they played local bands, they knew that everybody in the band and all their friends would listen. And it was a way, you know, it was a way to also really juice up the local music scene, which in St. Louis, by the way, um, was an amazing music scene. And, you know, we're talking 30 years ago.
0: And well, I mean, even, um, even in the, in the eighties, it was good, but in the nineties, it just got juicier. I mean, now it is phenomenal, but the problem is now that nobody knows about it (laughs) as as much.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how you make people know anymore and we can get all, into all that but you 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 get to yeah you know we could you know, let's talk about let's let's, uh, let's not get in the weeds what you know yeah. let's stay on stay on point here but uh, yeah I mean I remember all of that stuff and um, you know Sunday night shows were if you were a local band um, you know that was before Spotify and YouTube and yeah. Um, and you know, if you wanted people to hear your music aside from handing them a cassette tape, uh, was pretty much next to impossible. And so getting radio airplay of any type was, um, you know, those were amazing things. I was, you know, I was, I was in a band in Dallas that, um, before this is well before Gravity Kills and, uh, as I went to college and grad school down there and they, it was a, a rock station and they had a Sunday night show and that was the first time I'd ever heard myself on, uh, on the radio. It was about 1985 and uh, literally 85, you know, we're, we're jumping to 1994, <laughs> but 85 and, um, you know, it was, you know, you, you're sitting in a room with all your friends and, and you hearing yourself on the radio was, um, you know, was a super big deal.
0: Oh Yeah. Because I remember whenever they, heck, they played us once on the local show, and it was the, you know, the very last song, and it was at midnight, and we, you know, looking back on it, I know nobody was listening except for us, and we were just sitting Right, you know, everybody had um, dropped off by then, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're sitting around the radio, you know, we're like, oh, yes, we got, we got played, we're going to be fucking huge now, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's what, but that was, you know, for that moment in time, you felt that way, yeah. and. And that's not you know and musicians out there now you know i don't know you can go through tune core and get on spotify and you can do all those things there's a million aggregators you know now i mean you can you know (laughs) get to get your music out there but does anybody really hear it kids (laughs)
0: kids <laughs> thanks for staying um. too right.
1: <laughs> anyway man yeah that was, that was yeah what you know now it's you know you've got like things like that you're doing that are giving sort of where you can create a focus on a scene um yeah you know, i Golly, I mean, we could talk about a million things. I mean, you know what Mississippi Knights and Kennedys meant to St Louis back in man. the eighties and nineties and you know and how it really focused a music scene and well, you I know, think i
0: went i went it was probably like oh, maybe five six months ago. I decided just to for the hell of it, and I drove down to the landing oh, and I was and I believe that if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're paving over all the cobblestones, Yeah, which is just, man, that is so, I mean, I know it's a, it, it, they're kind of ankle breakers, breakers, but man, it was just thinking back on all the times, just being 16, 17 on the landing and walking around and just wishing I could be inside those clubs and hear all those music. And then, you know, once they started letting me in after 18, you know, it was like every Every t- chance I got, I was on the landing. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I think you know St. Louis. You know, because we're you know all of us are from the band. We're all from Jefferson City, and then you know everybody kind of migrates to you know the smaller towns. You migrate to the big city and make it you know make it big. Not necessarily yeah. for music, just to sort of escape. You know, escape the small town. But even when I you know spent time in Texas and Dallas there was a, you know, deep alum was a couple clubs, club Clearview club Dada trees, um, some clubs there sort of focused the local music scene there as well. And, you know, bands like the Toadies and, um, you know, golly, uh, Edie Burkell and the new Bohemian. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, you know, I could make a, I could make a list of bands that sort of, you know, that, Kind of came out of that scene there and uh, it was the same thing. It was kind of you know, there were a couple places that you know, if you could get on a bill there and start building a fan base, you might have a fighting chance. And, um, and St. Louis, uniquely for the size of the city, especially, um, you know. gravity kills doesn't happen without the city of just without that scene pre-existing because Tony, we played our very first show at the other world Mm -hmm. and, and we, it was, you know, we played for, played for a thousand people. Nobody knew what the band looked like.
0: (laughs) In a thousand people in the other world, that was a packed house. (laughs) It (laughs) was, we
1: had a thousand people and, um, you know, and we did 900 paid and we had 100, they gave us a 100 person guest list. Wow. And, um, well, we, you know, we'd already signed our deal with TVT by then, so we had record label people there. I mean, we had done all of that kind of backwards. And, and so anyway, without, you know, we could go through the list of bands that paved the way in, in St. Louis, but without all those bands, um, you know, gravity kills doesn't happen at all, you know? And, um, because, because there wouldn't have been that kind of, you know, there wouldn't have been that again, there was a focus.
0: There would be no interest on the scene without all the bands participating at one time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what you wish you could tell local was like Mm -hmm. new local bands. like, this is not a competition. Mm -hmm. If you can get, if you could create a mass between, 20 bands you know it's not like like Tony you and I we probably listen to a lot of the same music and then you listen to stuff that I would never think to listen to and vice versa Mm -hmm. and you know and that's where scenes are created it's not you know there's a homogeny but you know we we can point to Seattle for instance and there was a slight homogeny that happened there in the late 80s and early 90s but St. Louis was far more unique than that because, you know, a band like Gravity Kills, which, you know, what were we people thought we I guess they lumped us into an industrial metal bands. And, you know, then the urge is a ska band and, you know, bands from the er same era. Like if you look at I mean, go back a little further, I mean, Pale Divine or the eyes. What were they? You know, I mean, were they a post punk goth rock like you know how do you even describe what they were and then um you know the fins what were they oh, and man. you know I mean, it was just, you know uh, and then you know and you think about sunbolt wilco Bottle uh, the rock and then you have
0: the other side you have fragile porcelain mice that came in
1: yeah and uh and what were they <laughs> <laughs> like, like and really like yeah. we played shows with those guys and they were just, you know, they're a rock band. But, like, if you were going to throw them into some sort of category, it's like they transcend that. It's like, I don't know, you know, you don't know what they are. But th- the point is that St. Louis was not a scene that there were all these different, you know, there's a bunch of bands that, you know, we all wore flannel and had long hair. And, you know, and it wasn't that at all. You know, and then you had bands like King of the Hill that sort of preceded all that, and, you know, seven, well, um, um, you know, like, now I'm just trying to think of lists of just listing bands, but there were, you man. Different. we can just go on and on and on yeah. and, and all that sort of created this. I think it created something unique in St. Louis that people like you didn't have to fit in a specific genre as long as, as long as, you know, you're flying the, you know, the Florida leaf you know what i mean it was, you know what i mean exactly and and, and that's like crazy unique um, to any other major scene in the country you know even when i talk about dallas like you've had things like the Toadies, tripping daisy um, the nixons came out of that scene in the early 90s um you know but then you had bands like billy goat you can't even you know we did to go super x-rated to talk about what they did um you know there but but they but the dallas scene was kind of a you know there was they almost you know it was kind of jammy but you know but it had kind of a singer songwriter touch to it like you know it was kind of a post it was almost a post grunge thing like before it was post grunge yeah,
0: gotcha exactly you it know, was the sound and, of post grunge without before it was post grunge <laughs> i get you right yeah
1: yeah you know i mean you know and so it was you know that was you know it was a little bit more homogenized there and if you were a, an electronic band you kind of you know you didn't play those same rooms and that's where like especially mississippi nights comes into into play because you know, uh, we didn't Tony. We only yeah, Gravity Kills only played Mississippi Knights three times, which you know, which sounds crazy because he, you know, but we we didn't really play there. But I the, But the bands I saw there that were St. Louis bands because I was one of those guys. If we weren't playing, I was out.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I because I had lots of friends, and you know, you might find me sitting next to Carl from the Urge at the High Point. Nice. You know, or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I'm going down to see some. You know, I'm going down to see Dice Symphony, at, you know, because we're the same genre, and so I'm supporting it. And I'm going down, but I'm going to Mississippi Nights to see them.
0: Yeah. Well, also, and, and, and also, I mean, at, at the time too. I mean, a little while you guys were doing it. I mean, you had um, the Other World and the Side Door and uh, the little, Galaxy, the Galaxy, and things like that, where you know, bands that were closer to you guys or that genre were more, they, those clubs were more open to those types of bands. They wanted those types of bands. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, cause yeah, I'm trying to think I saw stabbing Westward. Mm-hmm. I saw them at both the other world and I saw them at the galaxy. Um, filter right after short bus came out, they played at the other world.
0: Yeah, what a, what a great fucking album that was, man. Oh, short.
1: And was, yeah, and, sick. and even crazier. I mean, you think about how big that band got like a couple of platinum records. Mm-hmm. And and that first tour, when they played at the other world and I didn't go to the show. I didn't I, I didn't go to the show. But Kurt, our drummer, went and he said he hung out after the show. And, you know, and hey, man, nice shot is on MTV at this point, and And, so <laughs> hey, you know, thank you. Good night. And they, you know, they jump off the stage, you know, and hang out with people for a while, and then they get up on stage and start tearing their gear down. don't want any <laughs> crew? Yeah, they didn't have a crew. They were tearing their stuff down, going to throw it in the, you know, going to throw it in the trailer in the van and take off. And but the other world, man. I mean, that was what a, you know, I mean that was that place. I, I remember going in the for the very first time. And this was back before we got – this was back before we got signed, and we were um, – we had gone there to see Suede of all bands, mm-hmm. you know, Lon, you know, London Suede, if you want to – Yeah. If, but – so we go to see them, and I'd never been in the room before, and I thought, I thought we were going to go through the floor. Like it was just one of those places. <laughs> and it smelled like I'm going to die smelling like stale beer.
2: Staring back now, your shadow right next to me, can you be my enemy, my disease, looking through what's left of you to hold on to? So holy, you think you're breaking me into
1: so yeah st louis is like you know you i i don't know that you can stress enough to people what a unique um, what a unique place what you know as far as the scene and the characteristic characteristics that scene had that you know and then there was then you had like who's the like there was a cover band in town paint the earth oh yeah and so out in the county Like paint the earth could, you know, they did a, they finally did an album and I think they sold out the pageant.
0: (laughs) I think so too. I I think I recall that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so again, it's like, you know, I mean, look, you know, I've played in cover bands and, and, and by the time, believe me, I tell people this by the time you play guilty for the thousandth time, yeah, you know, you're kind of, you know, and you recorded it, you know, however long ago, last show we played was with the urge at the pageant 2012, you know, and the, and how many years w- removed were we from writing that song in 1994. And by then you're just giving it, you know, you just let, you know, people, it doesn't have the same meaning for you anymore. You know, that lightning and that, whatever that bottle was, um, you know, that is, Turned into something else. And so you're really going out and you're playing music that just people want to hear. It doesn't matter if you're Gravity Kills or if you're you're talking about, you know, other bands, Pale Divine or, you know, or bands like Stir, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, and they play a show, you know, those three guys get together and go out and play a show. You know, people want those people want to hear. Yeah. You know, they want to hear They're the song. They probably going, "Oh my god,
0: know. I don't really want to play One Angel, but we know everybody wants to hear it." <laughs> you right. know what
1: I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, you know, and you know, and so and yeah, and people sing every song, I mean, people sing every word every, you know, to the to the song and it's awesome. And but Paint the Earth was so it was weird like St. Louis it wasn't like it was just it was just original local music, but if you were, you know, if you were you know, which, you know, which led to bands like Dr. Shavegas. you know, and Frankie, mm-hmm. who's this insanely talented human being, who's had this really amazing music career. And, Definitely. you know, and those guys, and those guys are out, you know, playing shows and making a living and, you know, and Frankie's, you know, posting on Instagram with his cigars and, and you know, and his, <laughs> you know, his. Cars and hanging out in his pool. I mean, he's this guy is living his best rock star life. Exactly, and and that was and some and that's also something very unique to St. Louis. Like again, he had this thing, but people were just supporting live music. It didn't it didn't matter if you were. I guess if I guess what I'm trying to say, Tony. I guess there were there was so much talent, and still could be so much talent in the area, and people were awake to it. Whether, you know, whether they were playing their own stuff down at Kennedy's or at one point, you know, you're in a punk band, you're playing the Creepy Crawl or, you know, or you're playing. I played I was out one night. Oh, my God. Um. Now I just I just blacked out on the club. Um. I, I sat in with this band and they were doing nothing. It was just this experimental like whatever you wanted to play like it wasn't jazz but it was like and it was with one of the guys from pave the rocket it was jim from pave the rocket and i sat in and played drums of all things with them (laughs) and it was down near um uh cherokee down in that part of down in that part of St. Louis, you know, South Side. Yeah. And so you had all that going on. You know, and those people, you know, they thought we were MTV sellouts. So I mean, I'm sure, you know, there was a needle scratch when I walked in the room. <laughs> but <laughs> but I sat in with these guys and, you know, and um you know, paved the rocket. It was another that's another band that was like how, I don't even know how to describe what they did.
0: Me either. Um, I just call it like indie. I don't know what. Yeah. What else you would it was, call it. Yeah.
1: Right. But in right. But indie. Like you know. Right. It was like a little bit of. I don't know. It was a little bit the Pixies, and it was a little bit of. I don't know. We could make a list of what bands. You know. That sort of touched on what genres, but yeah, you know, again, another band that. You know that played a homegrown show um, out at Riverport. And um, you know, and there's there's damn few cities. I guess I'm just gushing over St. Louis. It's, it's,
0: about- no, man, it's fine. I like I like you know I like that you're uh, talking about things that people don't. I mean, either one they remember all that and they're like, oh god, like I am, or younger generation going, man, that sounded great. You know, so yeah, yeah, where keep we going? <laughs> yeah, where we could
1: go? Yeah, young listeners, we could we could. Um, contemporary productions and they're around again, but at the time they owned what is now Hollywood Amphitheater, mm-hmm. Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Um, for us old people, we, we call it Riverport Amphitheater mm-hmm. still. But, um, so we did two shows out there. We did a show, The Urge was on one show in 97. And then we did another show. Um, we closed, the stir was on, stir, stir was on that show, like Pave the Rock was on that show. I mean, I, fragile, porcelain mice, was, you know, it was a, um, radio iodine. Oh, man. Um, you know, pro, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna piss people off cause I'm forgetting all the bands that were on that, on that bill. And we did like, we did like 13,000 paid. Wow. For just you know, for just a bunch of local bands. Now, granted, you know, Gravity Kills had three, three videos in active rotation on MTV, and you know, and we had had you know top ten singles in other countries, and some crazy stuff had happened to us. But really, in St. Louis, I mean, people, you know, we were we were a local band, and um, and so that's what the local scene was capable of doing. To think that you know, there were all these great bands, and and but everybody was friends, there wasn't any weird competition, like you know, you never felt weird, um, you know, you, you're rooted for everybody. Uh, but at the same time, Tony, it was a weird time because everybody was getting signed out of St. Louis. I mean, you know, we were sort of the first band from that wave, and then the gate floodgates opened. And, um, and then, you know, bands that had deserved, deserved to, you know, like, like the urge, you know, people were flying in to, you know, to talk to us, you know, different labels and they would, and they would ask about the urge. I mean, everybody knew about the urge in New York or LA, all those labels knew. yeah And, um, you know, and then a moral comes in and, and does the deal and, you know, and then they have a top, you know, they have a top 25 uh, alternative single would jump right in and, you know, and they, you know, and they get on MTV and there's all that stuff, you know, Radio i 9 gets signed and, um, you know, several other bands and, you know, the Bottle Rockets, funny, funny story. We were with a guy from uh, Atlantic Records and went out to see the Bottle Rockets back. Now we're going back to Mississippi Nights Um and they ended up signing the Bottle Rockets. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, because yeah, we ended up. It was Reprise and TVT were the last two labels standing for us, and, and we ended up with TVT. But it was yeah, with again Mississippi Nights. And when and I talked about that uh, suede show, that was with um that was with uh, the guy from TVT Records that we went to see suede. So it just, yeah, it's really odd, you know, how all this stuff kind of ties together. And, um, you know, even if we were in town, Oh, and you know, we're talking about radio back to radio. So, you know, we could go through the whole point essential story if you want to.
0: I would like to, I would like to a little bit just talk about Cause I mean, that, that, I mean, that really is what kicked a lot of the stuff off, but, um, I know, I remember back in the day when everything was starting out, okay, and, and the point essential came out. And I know a few, at least a few people in my circle, they were talking about Gravity Kills. And I think there was a small, and I want to, so you're on the phone, I want to clarify um, what the exact story was. Um, they were talking like Gravity Kills was just one person at the beginning creating this. <laughs> no <laughs> kind of like a nine inch nails thing it was like the same no. scenario
1: no that that would be super cool if it was um it was actually far less uh, sinister than that um yeah here's this is here's the story so you know point essential you know the point had decided they were going to do this and this was alex this was back when alex luke mm-hmm. uh was the music director there and a guy named jim mcgwin was the program director and they got the idea actually from – Alex Luke came from uh, KDGE in Dallas. That's where he came from when he came to St. Louis. Well, in Dallas, they had been doing a series of local music CDs called Tales from the Edge. And so they just – so the point says, hey, start submitting songs. At the time, I'm living in Dallas. You know, you know, I'm living in Dallas. I was – I had just um I would gone to college and grad school there and I just you know the I guess the the wagon broke down. And I was you know, and I was working and whatever. So here's the I'll try to make this as quick as possible because it's I can go into a million details. But I got a call these guys waited until it was Kurt, you know, Matt and Doug, you know, mm-hmm. the other three original members of the band. And they decided a week I guess not even a week before Um, the submissions were due the Monday before the Friday at five o'clock is when they decided to start working on this, on a song. So so now cut to Wednesday night. They've got, they've got a piece of music, a piece of sort of produced music. There's no vocals. There's no melody. There's no, there's no kind of, you know, um, Reference vocal. There's nothing exactly. Okay. So I so I get a call because I'm the drummer, Kirk Kearns, <clears throat> and I'll plug his. He's he's got an architecture firm out of Maplewood called V3 Studios, and so he he was working he was working as an architect at the time. And it, it's beside the point. He calls me because we're cousins. He's like, hey, <laughs> he tells me the story. He's like, hey, we got this piece of music. We don't have anybody sing. You know, here, take a listen. You know, and we're talking about over an analog. This is 1994, Mm -hmm. September 94. Over an analog phone line.
0: Yeah, so they can't just send you a file, you know, an email. No, they can't
1: just write, hey, right, just email me a file real quick. And no, so they hold the phone up. So all I'm hearing is. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I don't know what it is, but they're like, hey, if we fly you up tomorrow, can you. Yeah, will you sing. I'm like, sure. So I fly up. Anyway, I hear the I hear the track for the first time on Thursday night at about by now, by the time I get up there, it's almost nine o'clock at night. It's almost nine PM. So I hear the track. I get in the booth. We st- I just start scatting some stuff and coming up with melodies. We're trying to lock some things in. So I lock in, kind of lock in a melody. And I'm just kind of singing some stuff that's just, you know, stuff is coming out. And at some point I'm like, I'm like, and I'm filthy. And like Matt goes, try I'm guilty. And so kind of do that. Perfect. This is what the song is called guilty. I go off into another room.
0: Because sometimes right. it helps if you have a title, and then all of a sudden, okay, now I know what I want to write about.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and so I try to come. You know, again, the clock's ticking, so I don't have time to sort of, I don't have time to sort of think about much other than just writing words that will rhyme, you know, and have a specific um, that will that will, you know, that will that will adhere to a specific meter, and I can fit in this, you know, within this melody that we've come up with, and. And so by midnight ish, um, you know, we're well into it. I think we finished doing the vocal about three in the morning. Because we, you know, because as I'm writing lyrics, some, yeah, you, know, you get in the booth and you're having to do rewrites because things maybe, you know, they don't sing the way, you know, you've but you've done, you've been around doing records, so you understand mm-hmm. all that. And, and so we get it. We get the song. It's like, and. Um, and so they stayed up. I left with Kurt because I had to fly out the next morning. Um, and Matt and Doug stayed up the entire, you know, it's three in the morning when, when we, when Kurt and I leave, they stay up and they mix. And so they get this to, um, the point literally, I don't know. It's 15 minutes before five o'clock five o'clock <laughs> to the deadline on Friday. And, um, and so don't really hear anything. I, you know, I don't really know what we've done at that point because I, you know, I cut the vocal and after that we, I just leave, I'm not around to listen to, you know, and, um, and, you know, I've been playing in bands in Dallas and, um, for a very long time. And, you know, so again, I didn't really know. I didn't really know what we had done, and and then so we f- find out that we get on the we got on the compilation, and so I flew up the weekend that the compilation was released back to Mississippi Nights. That's where the compilation Belly feels another super oh cool band. Oh my god!
0: Yes, yes,
1: yes, yeah, super cool band. And I remember meeting those guys that night, and you know, the night of the release, and so we were not the you know i think you know the, there was only tw- i think they either made 2500 copies of it or 3500 copies of it and they were selling it for a you know it was the proceeds were going to a a um, charity and they weren't going to make any more that was it and so i think they featured a song from the fens and there was one other track that they featured <clears throat> And so they've sold out of this with well, Jim McGuinn and and, um, and Alex Luke decided, no, we really like this track. We're going to add it. And so they added guilty. And so they so I get a call from the guys. Remember, I'm like, I'm 500 miles away. I'm, you know, I'm in Dallas more than that. 600 miles away. <clears throat> so like, hey, we got, you know, hey, we got added and I'm like, oh, great. And so I get a call. It's like, hey, we're at number 14 on the points playlist this week. Oh, wow. That's cool. You know, and next week they call and we're number nine, and then the call and we're number, whatever it was, and then we I get a call and we're at number two, and because
0: um, I remember at the time was, they were they were promoting you to request songs off of that, off of that compilation too, if I'm not mistaken, and
1: it was just crazy, yeah. and we went to number two, and we probably we, you know, they I guess. You know, Jim or Alex told us, "Well, you would have been number one this week, but we had to." Bush was playing uh, in St. Louis the week we went to number two, and so um, I think everything Zen was at number one on the point that week. And uh, and so, cut to we get a um, well, and at that, the- at
0: that time you're like. Oh, we're up against that song. That's fine, you know. What I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Whatever. I how mean, can you at compete? With that? I think
1: these guys are making it up, Tony. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I'm not even there. I don't hear all the stuff. So, so anyway, so so cut to, um, you know, back in those days for the kids out there, there were magazines and the, and there were industry magazines like Radio and Records, which would, you know, which were industry magazines uh, that went out to, you know, they went out to. Record labels they went out to radio stations
0: exactly and and, um, most, and some most of radio stations have to report to some sort of right. agency to uh, report spins
1: right there' so so they were so there was a guy in New York City that was at, at TVT records and he was looking through radio and records and saw this saw the points playlist and it sees it number two you know guilty gravity kills unsigned. and and i don't know maybe radio and records put independent i don't know i don't i don't recall exactly how they used to how they used to categorize bands that weren't signed but anyway so tommy gets on the phone and he calls the station he calls jim McGuinness he's like what's the story with this band and so he's the first to fly in and then also Cut back to radio. Why you know radio is such a big deal. This and this is a true story. It happened. I, I blogged about it. And it's in my blog. I could you know I could send people to it if they go to a, it. Doesn't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. So this is what happens. We spend we we go to dinner. We go see Suede. We hang out. We'd been working on a few other tracks. We at the studio that that it, Doug worked at the studio. So we hung out there, listened to some stuff. At this point, we have literally we have like. Four or five songs. Um the other songs, um, one of which uh was um Goodbye, the version on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Mm-hmm. We have that as well. And um so we're so Tommy's leaving, we're all standing out front of the studio and he's in he gets in his rental car and he rolls down the window. Um no, because he had put his head down, like when he was like, "Yeah, we'll talk later." And he gets in his car, and we he turns the car, and we just see his head drop. And he rolls the window down, and "Guilty's" playing on the radio. <laughs> and he and he says, "You'll have paper on Tuesday."
0: How did you feel at that point when all this stuff started kicking in
1: you know it was kind of it was very exciting
0: was it almost unreal like you, you like i yeah, can't believe it, this is happening
1: and even as it was happening it was very unreal and you know you've heard of it you know this imposter complex that people get you kind of like at least for me i kind of went through this like is this really happening? And why is it happening? And why now is it happening? Um, you know, I was, I started playing professionally, actually, when I was in Jefferson city, I was, there was a bar that I would play in with a band and I wasn't old enough, obviously to even be in the bar. And it was in downtown Jefferson city. And my mom let me do it because I was an okay, decent kid. And as long as you know, I had to promise her that I wasn't going to drink. And so I'd been, but I was getting paid to do these gigs. And so I'd, so I'd been playing for real professionally since I was 17. And then by the time I was in college in grad school in Dallas, I'd already been in two other bands that had gotten sniffed out, one by MCA and one by ATCO East West, if you remember that record label and faintly yes yes and so you know i'd already kind of and i kind of felt like it was never going to happen so i remember we were we'd flown to la and we we're in the alexandria hotel which they shot a lot of this you know where seven the movie seven was shot a lot of that movie when they were in the building where um you know kevin spacey's Apartment was and mm-hmm. you know all of that stuff. That's the Alexandria Hotel in Los Angeles, gotcha. and that's where we shot the Guilty video. And um, <laughs> I remember Kurt and I, we were they were shooting some scenes. There was these two. there's a two sort of women, I guess. We were women. They were of age. They were. They were in one of the rooms and they were jumping up and down on a bed. And they were getting these shots. And we, the band, we weren't in these shots. And so I think Matt and Doug were off like at, you know, catering at craft service, you know, eating or hanging out or whatever the hell they were doing. And so, but Kurt and I, you know, I went to, you know, I went to film school. So did Doug. I don't know why he wasn't hanging out more. He was probably, I don't know, he was taking something else in. So anyway, we were, <laughs> Kurt and I were in this room and there's like you know and there's lighting people and there's all this stuff and there's sound because they're still you know they're still running the song even though like we're not lip syncing and we're not even but they're still playing the song when they're shooting the scenes and you know and there's all these people and there's makeup people for these girls and there's like and we just look at each other and we're kind of sitting in the corner and we're just laughing <laughs> because it's like you know this this had happened by the time we're shooting the guilty video we're less than 18 we're about 14 months from the time that we stepped foot in a studio together for the first time wow and it was a whirlwind and you know we go from that to you know debuting on 120 minutes in february um And we were already out on the road. We were opening for, we were on the road opening for Sister Machine Gun. We had a night off. We were in Orlando, Florida. And it was, we had a, um, we had a, it was the band. We were sharing a bus with another band, but we had an extra two guys out. We had, um, we had a now famous local sound guy, Terry Welty. Um, he was our he was our sound guy. He's out with uh, he's out with foreigner in Europe right now. He's not running sound. He's doing he's doing all the he's doing all the bass and backline stuff with them. But he, anyway, so he he's our sound guy. But so we're all crammed in this hotel room, and I remember us like we were like little kids. We were like Tony. We were like you guys sitting at midnight mm-hmm. waiting to hear your song on the local show. Yeah, I can't imagine. And and we'd already seen, you know, we'd seen the video, but mm-hmm. we hadn't seen it with MTV's stamp down in the corner. And you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, even even my little bitty station, you know, like a, a, a garage band playing in a garage. And then they hear the imaging and stuff surrounding their song. And they're like, whoa, that's a whole different level.
1: Yeah. And right. And you had the, you had the guilty Gravity Kills directed by Rocky Morton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, got, it, got and, the little
0: white lettering in the corner. and You're like, <laughs> right,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, we and, made it. You know, and you're, and it's just like, how did this happen? And it was, you know, and it was, it was amazing. And then we go on from that. We headline the first ESPN X Games tour, and you know, it just things happened, and it just, you know, and it was an ama- It was a shorter ride than we would have wanted, but we we left on our own terms, and. Um, you know, and everybody's been successful since the band. And so, and we've been one of those bands that we didn't, you know, we have played, let's see, we played since the band broke up, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to count how many times we've played and I can actually count them. So bear with me. It's like five, six, seven, eight, we played two shows in seven. Okay. So like five, we played Two shows in 2010 and one show in 2012. We played eight shows since the band split up. I think we were struggling to be friends even at that point yeah. you know we were going through what a lot of bands go through you know you just we you know we we didn't like our place in the world we didn't like our place you know there wasn't much chemistry we had um you know kurt had left the band in 99 he yeah you know, the last show he played with us we was a sold out show at the uh, the blue note in columbia and you know that was the hometown show for us really it was you know you know we had yeah you got twelve hundred people from Jefferson City crammed into a room. But,
0: <laughs> yep.
1: And but um, you know uh, Brad Booker from Stir was playing with us at the time, and um, you know just nothing felt good, and and so we decided we were getting ready to go out on tour that summer. We were going to go out with Seven Dust Filter, um, Saliva, us. You know you know, some bands that at the time were making some, you know, making noise and, um, and we canceled, we called our manager and said, Nope, we're
0: going home. And that was it. Yeah. Um, that's a rough phone call to make. <laughs> I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you work your, you work your entire life for something and then, and then make the decision to let go of it. Yeah. And, um, and that's, yeah, I, yeah, it was uh it was less emotional then than I'm making it now yeah. probably because oh, I mean, at the
0: time it, it probably was a little bit of you know it's like a, it's like a divorce in a way. I mean it's a little bit of letting uh things off your back a little bit and and be able to breathe cuz it's starting to get sour, you know what I mean? But you still yeah. kind of regret it, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean I think, you know, I mean I don't know. I mean, you know, I interesting you know i don't want i want to get positive now i was talking to brad booker we were bouncing some messages the other day you know as i stay in contact with all these guys of course you know we're you know we have text thread we can get to the sort of the future of what's happening now you know here in a minute but we um you know i was talking to brad you know what kurt brought to the band as a drummer was different you know brad booker was a you know obviously a much different drummer than Kurt, you know, Kurt was, Kurt would have if you talk to Kurt and Kurt may hear this at some point, you know. So I'm speaking for him, and I hope I don't get this wrong. Kurt was far more interested in playing bass parts and guitar parts in, in the studio than sitting behind a drum kit, and not that he and not that he didn't service, you know, he was not that he didn't service the music on a, on a drum kit live. You know, it just wasn't, you know, I don't think it was ever like that wasn't his passion. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, and Brad was just a different drummer. And I was talking to Brad and I was like, it'd have been interesting. You know, it'd be interesting either way because, you know, you know, cause Kurt and I musically now, like we, you know, he, he sends me bands to listen to. I send him stuff to listen to, you know, we're, like you know, like we're musical brothers still.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. If
1: we just if we discover new stuff because we're still looking. At, we're you know we're in our fifties and we're looking for new bands. You know we're looking for stuff that you know it's like and that's beautiful because it? a lot
0: there's a lot of fifty year olds that don't do that anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so we so yeah so the kind of stuff that I would let's say if Kurt let's say if Gravity Kills would have continued with Kurt Kearns. Well, Kurt was also something that Kurt brought to the band that. I don't think anybody else could have ever brought was Kurt was our Rick Rubin. Like Kurt, like Doug Furley was the guy who was turning knobs and making crazy noise. Mm -hmm. You know, that was like, like my job and Matt's job in the band was sort of create these, you know, sort of jumping off points. And then Doug would just sort of take things in places that you never knew that they could go. Like he would just find noise or make noise or, you know, accidentally make noise and, um, and he'd create these things. And then, but what Kurt brought to the project or what to the band was he was, he would sit down, like if I was going to write lyrics and we would sit down and we would talk about like, you know, he would help me focus on what, I was really trying to say, you know, and he was coming to it like, you know, Rick Rubin, if you, you know, if you've listened to him in interviews, Rick Rubin tried to approach producing from the, from the point of view of a fan. Yeah. You know, what do I want this, what would I want this band to do? You know, and you know, not necessarily like formulaically do, but what would, you know, and so Kurt could focus you know, and he was the schedule keeper and he was the you know, like we had, a, you know, we'd have a calendar up on the wall in the studio. And we knew what we were doing and it was this and that. And, you know, and then Brad brought something a little bit different to the band, like that we never really got to explore. And, you know, Brad and I were kind of kicking around I was like I would have, you know, it would have been interesting to see had we decided to just, you know, you know, just sort of regroup. Um, because the band gravity got very heavy at the end
0: yeah I have I noticed think, that
1: and I think that we kind of I don't know that it was necessarily you know it wasn't by design but I don't know that it was necessarily where you know I don't know I think maybe we got you know I think in hindsight like look like um Superstar to me that is a – like lyrically, it's the most honest record of the three because I was in therapy at the time, and I was simply just writing about therapy. And so lyrically is to me – and there's some really bright moments on that, but it's, but it's aggressive, and it's dark, and it's angry, but it's also kind of where I was at mentally and so I would like you know so I never had a chance to make a record sort of with the band after emerging on the other side of all that uncontrolled anger you know because it wasn't teen angst yeah you know it was it was full-on you know my life is crumbling around me and I'm trying to Hold this. I'm trying to hold myself together here because I've got all these other people sort of counting on me to hold it together, and I resent them for it, and they resent me. And it was, and you know, and we made a record that was, you know, that it, that it sort of exposed the friction that was happening in the band. Mother to
2: you and mother to me. Is that all that No, I think it's gone to your head Because I hang on every word you say Everything is what everything seems Everything's fake and nothing is real your shit is turning to dust Breaking your back, your profits you've done
0: Still, it was it was art, uh, you know, reflecting what life was bringing you. You know what I mean.
1: And and I would have liked to, have, and I would, you know, and I would have liked to have seen Tony where the band kind of after I could have been a little bit healthier, uh, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, and not saying look, you know, Matt's gone through stuff, you know, Doug's gone through stuff. Doug had some crazy rumors, by the way. There were crazy rumors about Doug. And, you know, um, and I can tell this story. This is a great story. Okay, <laughs> Doug shows up at the, like, we had a studio in Soulard. And, and one day, uh, Doug's there by himself, because Doug owned, Doug owned the building. And he lived above the studio. And so <laughs> our sound guy came over. And basically, to kind of have an intervention with Doug, because apparently Doug was a heroin addict. Doug had never looked at heroin in his life, <laughs> and so there was some. Gr- so this, so there's rumors like, yeah. You know, so we had all this kind of crazy stuff happening around the band, um, and you know, so we ended up. So yeah, so like um, today is the uh, you know it's the 24th anniversary of the release of. Um, perversion, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: which I think perversion has some super brilliant technical moments on that record, you know, because we were, we were sort of jumping into some places. We just, when we started that record, we'd just gotten back from touring Europe And we were discovering that was before, like, that's before the prodigy goes huge here. It's before, like, we're listening to bands like Future Sounds of London and Mm -hmm. Orbital and, you know, and the prodigy before, like, it's before Fat of the Land came out over here. Yeah, I could
0: could definitely uh, tell the maturity in perversion over the, you know, the debut album, definitely.
1: And so we, yeah, so we, you know, so... That we were kind of, I think we were kind of on to something, and then you know, and then the you know, and then the darkness came for the third record, you know, and then it like you know, Kurt had left. Um, we were kind of flailing in the studio at that point. We wanted out of our deal desperately at TVT Records because our our and our guy had long left. We had gone through several A&R guys all sweethearts by the way but they but we weren't their band and we, Stephen Gottlieb himself at TVT was our A&R guy at one point which does not work because you can't have the guy that holds the purse strings in charge you know in their fighting for the you know the band to the guy in charge of the purse strings mm-hmm it's not how you know you, your A and R has got to be in there batting for you to get things for you, and maybe you, you know we need a bigger budget or we need more time or you know or whatever it was. And so we we got out of that. We went we went seven months without a deal. Um, I <laughs> we're still recording a record. We don't know if anyone's ever going to hear it. Um, I take a break from that. Decide I'm going to do a cover of Personal Jesus. Well, we really liked it, so we ended up sending it out to radio stations—just guys that we knew. By emailing it to them, but by now we could do that, and we were sending packages. We could. This was ninety. No, this was two thousand. And we and we burned CDs, and we would send it out. And we had a board just like if we heard a record label, and we had all these stations listed that we'd send it to, and stations that were playing it. We ended up getting like forty-six stations to play the track. And like it k at KRK in Portland, it was a top five phone record. And this was just a demo I did in a B room. This was it was on Lo, this was on Logic Five with thirty two tracks, kids.
3: <laughs>
1: you know, this wasn't you know, this wasn't logic you know, Logic Ten Pro with you know, with as many tracks as you can fit as long you know, if you've got sixty four, you know, you know, sixty four gigabytes of you know of ram you know the, you know where you could just have you know like we did the third record like superstar I mean we'd do 190 tracks mm-hmm. at 32 tracks nothing bouncing nothing at 32 tracks and so we did that we sent it out now all of a sudden whew, now all of a sudden you know people are like oh maybe these guys still have it and then we ended up you know then we ended up getting sanctuary bmg sanctuary those are the guys that um, they started. Uh, those are the guys that got their start. Uh, they're managing Iron Maiden. I went to Sanctuary House while I was uh, while I was in London, um, after um, when Superstar was getting ready to come out, and and walking into Sanctuary as it was like it's like going to if you've ever been to if you ever Tony you've ever been to um, Graceland.
0: Yes, I have. I was very young, okay. but yes.
1: Have you ever? Did you go into the uh, racquetball room? No, I did not. Okay, well. When you go into the racquetball room, that's where they have all the gold and platinum records. It's it's the point in your life where you realize what you've done musically is mm-hmm. completely irrelevant.
0: Because <laughs> you're like, I'm never going to reach that goal. Right.
1: No, and nobody will, yeah. right? Nobody. And, and so I walk into Sanctuary House in London, my record label, and I've been, I've been over there doing press and the records getting ready to come out in the U S but I'd gone over for three weeks to go around Europe and do press for the record. And they had a party for me at sanctuary records. Well, they had, they have a, they had a bar and I'm not talking like a bar that like, you know, somebody had in their office. No, they had a bar that was open to the public that's was part of that was owned by the record label. Nice. And so I had this big party and I wish I had – I probably have the video of it because I had taken video. And at one point, I was in my pro- project manager's office with two other people, and we were spraying beer everywhere listening to a seven-dust record. <laughs> 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 and, and and it was that first time – and and Tony, we were there, and then we're at the bar, and they walked in with the with, – uh, superstarved in its like you know in the jewel case was unopened you know was in this in the shrink wrap and the whole thing and i started crying you know and because i was i was holding something that took two and a half years to make that i didn't think anybody was ever gonna hear was one of those tracks we were in the midst of um, it was we wrote that while we were in between deals you know and we were just you know and it was just one of those songs it Was just, it, it was kind of this you know this cry for help you know to the universe and um, you know based on a conversation that I'd had with Matt and uh, but there's a lot of super personal stuff in that record for me and um, like super crazy personal and, um, you know, and and, um, and if, yeah, and if you kind of peel things back, um, you know, Tony, all of us, you know, the, that's the thing. And look, you and I aren't going to get into politics because no. that's not our place. Nope. But if, if I think of as Americans, if we would all kind of like actually sit down and talk to each other versus, you know, and really get inside people's heads as opposed to. Getting on Twitter, and I'm, you know, and I, I'm on Twitter. I, I try to stay out of those things. You know, I'm on Facebook. I have friends that dive into those things. I try mm-hmm. to stay out. Try to stay super positive with people. Um, I wish that we could have conversations now about people's lives because I think we'd all find out. Like Tony, you've gone through things in your life that I'd probably go, "Holy shit, Tony!" I
0: <laughs> definitely and, do. I definitely do. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, right. And you and I. Politically, on certain things may be exactly in the same place. Yep. And on other things, we might be 10 miles apart on. But if we could talk about things as human beings and sit down and understand, like, I'm just some kid from Cole County, Missouri,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and and got to live this crazy, I've had this crazy life, Tony. I'm talking to you about it tonight. Yep. I, I feel like I'm making this stuff up sometimes. And, you know, I get to do things like some of the craziest moments didn't didn't even involve playing music. I would be on a cruise ship going from Stockholm to Helsinki overnight and watching the sun come up on the Baltic as you're mm. coming into Helsinki, Finland. You're like, how did I get here?
0: <laughs> I can only imagine. And I do it all the time. And, um, I mean, I'm not saying I went on cruises, but, I mean, there's a lot of times lately that I've been like, How did I get to this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, you like your, your path, you know, how, yeah, you're, you're doing something that you love, you know, that everything is a stepping stone if you want to look at life that way. And our, you know, and just, you know, I, I, you know, you have experiences every day that, uh, I'm sure that if you really step back and go, man, you know, how did I get here? This is crazy. I'm doing this.
0: This, this conversation right here is one of them. I mean, honestly, how did I get here? You know, and that's just me just pursuing yeah, my dream you, and doing, doing what's right. You know?
1: Yeah. And that's what, you know, we're going back to the first part of circling back around in the first part of our conversation. You know, mm-hmm. if that's, if, if you're playing music and you could look at it every day, like how did I get here? And I am lucky to be at whatever stage you're doing it at some point, look, at some point Tony, you've been in a band that sucked. I've been in a band that sucked. I sucked at what I was doing. You sucked at what you were doing and you kept going and you got better at your craft.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know that's what you know I think kids, and I don't want to I don't want to sound like Dave Grohl here. <laughs> but you know things like American Idol and The Voice have kind of twisted um, it's kind of twisted the way people think about how to be a musician, yeah. and you know, and Dave Grohl put it: you get in the garage with three other people that maybe aren't very good, and you just get better together.
0: Yeah, you got to suck before you can be good.
1: Yeah, because you know, you know, because everybody's done that, and I look back, you know, it was, you know, I look back at some of the bands I've been in. The first band I was ever in, Tony, and I—I I, I don't know that I, this is this is a, you're breaking this to to the world because I don't know that I've ever told. The first band I was ever in, I was a I was a freshman in high school, and we were called Mirage. Ooh, I know, right? <laughs> Fancy. Yeah, we had T-shirts made at the mall with like you know those like sort of iridescent like multicolored letters that you could like like iron onto a shirt. Yeah, now, those were our shirts, and we that we wear. We got to play like kids' birthday parties and stuff like that. You know, they'd yeah. hire us, you know, for and we make like fifty bucks. You know, yeah. and and you know, and we, you know, we just did it. You know, and we had dreams, and we, you know, and um, and we loved it, and that's why we did it. And even by the yeah. time, uh, with gravity kills, what what happened to the band it's not a cautionary tale i think it happens to everybody you have to if you get caught in the trap of we understood we weren't caught in a trap we understood well we were and thing is we understood that we were caught in it Yeah, and that's what created the conflict and you know the first record was a self-titled record it was a very pure experience for all of us. We were just making music. We didn't know what we were doing together as a band. We just you loved were, doing you were, it.
0: You were probably still in awe after the record was done and everything else.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember we dude, we sat in a Dean and DeLuca in New York City the day they finished the mastering. Doug and John Fryer had gone to get the record mastered at, you know with uh, uh, Howie Weinberg at Master Disc. It was just like a, that guy was like, he was doing everybody smashing pumpkins records. I mean, all the stuff. And so we're sitting in there and we're just staring at the CD of the mask. Like we're just star- like sitting in the middle of a table, and like nobody's saying anything. <laughs> you know, because John and yeah, John and and Doug had gotten back, and. And I just, you know, I just remember sitting there thinking, you know, again, it was like one of those, wow, this is how, why, how did this happen and why is it happening? And, And then the success happens and then all of a sudden you start realizing that you're part of a machine and then you start fighting back. then you know we were you know it was sort of like people called uh, blink 182 mall punk yeah you know people called us mall industrial yeah. you know or eight inch nails I mean we could go on there's lots of lots mm-hmm. of fun names they used to call us and which is fine you know whatever We you know, and and so <laughs> I guess the point is, is that you know so we we go on and so we so we name that remix record manipulated on purpose because we that's how we felt we were manipulated into mm-hmm. doing this into this thing and um and then perversion came up because now everything about like every reason that we had to do music uh or all the not every reason to do music i only rephrase this our priorities for doing music had changed and not based on what the four of us thought, but was based on what everybody else thought. And we sort of started losing our way. And, you know, and if you look at the cover of that, you, you know, you, you liked that post today. Thank you, by the way, if you look at the cover of perversion, it's basically we used, it was, it's the, the artwork is based off of, the label you would see if you were buying ground beef at the mm-hmm. grocery store, mm-hmm. because that's how we felt as a band.
0: Yeah, and, and I think, and I think in that post you mentioned like Walmart and stuff, so you could you could put it in Walmart and stuff like that. We
1: this is how this is how bad this is how this is how this is where our heads were at. We wanted to call the record whore. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that would have gone over well.
1: <laughs> because because that's how we felt. Mm-hmm. And again, you got people listening to this going, ah, oh, poor Jeff, you yeah. know, play, you know, get out your violin. You know, look, things were good, right? I'm not going to, you know, but, but as an artist, you know, we'd lost control of not just, we'd lost control of why we were doing, you know, we'd lost our way, yeah. but we knew it. We were conscious of it. And that's what pissed us off. And, you know, and so what I would do, Tony, we would play shows like Point Fest. I didn't do this at Point Fest because um, we closed that show in 98 when Perversion was coming out. Um, that was They were very kind to let us close. We had to follow Green Day and the Foo Fighters. Wow. But we held on to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually the first time um you know, I, I got married in uh 2020 um and the first time my wife ever saw me in person was at that point fest. Hmm. Um and so anyway, didn't really know her she just, she could tell the story. But anyway, <laughs> um but anyway, you know, cut right, I mean cut to, you know, Basically, you know, 20 years later, then you're, you know, you connect with somebody on Instagram and <laughs> the next thing you know, you're, you know, you're getting married. That's how things work now. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> anyway,
0: that's the way to, um, the way to date now, kids. Right. Than that. yeah. yeah. Us old right. men didn't know that until now.
1: <laughs> no, it's right. We didn't. And so, yeah. And so anyway, so we, we kind of knew it and we get into super starved and just by the title alone. You know, things were super out of control at that point. We were, you know, Kurt had blessed the band. Um, We were flailing. I mean, we just didn't, you know, we had no direction. Um, We made a record that we didn't, we thought, I'm very proud of that record because we hung in there. And again, lyrically, it's an insanely honest record. And it's got incredible moments on that record. But, is you know some people may listen to go that record sucks jeff that's fine it's you know everybody has their opinions but so but that record even the title is about where we were at and um you know and so you know there's this so there's code all the way through like the gravity kills discography Mm -hmm. you know we weren't just coming up with titles just to come up with titles i mean we were marking places you know and that's what doing a record is too by the way kids it's about it's about capturing a moment in time
2: Think salvation becomes cool you. Now the light like grows strong.
1: About the future, um, it looks like we're finally going to have the self-titled out on vinyl. Nice. You know that was another thing. I know we're probably going long here. Oh God, we're going way long. That's um, right. <laughs> um, yeah, we got. Uh, we've got. Um, here was the deal. We 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 have been pressing on the orchard who owns um, the first two. They own the. T- they own. Uh, the masters for the first two records or the rights to the masters, I should mm-hmm. say. Uh, BMG owns Superstarved, But a- anyway, we wanted to do this on vinyl. And so the orchard finally came around. Okay, let's do vinyl. Well, we didn't want to do all the, the, the orchard. All they had were the, uh, all they had were the mastered files. And we, and, And our record on vinyl, the needle would explode (laughs) if you took those mastered files, unless you were just going to pull the gain down on everything. Yeah. Like if you're going to try to make the record super quiet. So um, Doug, being that he's a hoarder, still owns the first the sonic solution system that we did the first record in. We did the first record, kids, before Pro Tools dealt with MIDI. (laughs) So we recorded everything into Sonic Solutions. Doug would edit all those things down. We would move the files into emulator 4s. Kids, those were samplers. Then we used digital... No, we used Performer. There was no digital Performer. We used Performer to basically you know we would trigger make you know midi events via a keyboard and we would and so we would play the vocals as samples we would play you know the drums the guitars the bass whatever noise whatever it was and so anyway so all those so we had finished the first record we had it uh in sonic solutions and it was trapped in there It was trapped in 1995 and we had no way to get it out and so it took Doug 18 months to find, uh, I think, maybe a cable or two. He still had a sonic, sonic solution system, but he had no way to get that information out of sonic solutions into Pro Tools. And it took him about 18 months. And so he fi- we finally delivered those um, unmastered mixes the final mixes for the first record we finally delivered those files to the orchard last week awesome and and it's going to be a 2020 we initially we were going to do this as a 25 year anniversary uh edition you know for the self-titled uh Uh, but then um you know this technological issue became problem (laughs) and uh and the orchard, the guys at uh, the orchard stuck with us, and uh, they said, "Hey, if you could, guys, because we didn't want to release again, we could have released vinyl and just had those, you know, those mastered, you know, those the same stuff that would have been on the CD that you would have bought at uh, Streetside Records in 1996, you know, or vintage vinyl mm-hmm. or Best Buy, mm-hmm. um, you know, those mixes would have been on." the record, but back then, Tony, and you remember these days, you over compressed everything in mastering. Yeah. Um, because you wanted to be kids, you wanted to be the loudest record on the radio and you wanted to be the loudest record at the listening station at whatever record store they had, they were featuring your CD at a listening station. Yep. That was what, that was, so you, com- so you compressed the tracks, you made them, you you added as much gain and compression to the, to the mixes as you could to make them as loud as possible. And that's what, and that's what we did. And we didn't want to have a record like that. We didn't want to have vinyl like that. You know, you are going to do vinyl wanted it to, you know, you don't want it to breathe and do all the things that vinyl does. And um, so anyway, that's coming out. We are talking about doing a, 2022 show in st louis Mm. you're the first person to 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 know about that outside of you know a few camps we don't know if it's going to happen or not but we are talking to some people about doing it and um if it doesn't happen we will play again if only to do it one more time
0: I want to do one more thing um, before we go, and that is, um, I mean, if, I mean, you've, I mean, we've been talking about uh, the whole career and everything else. So, uh, give me kind of maybe uh, looking back on everything, what was your favorite memory of all this? Oh man, <laughs> I know it's a tough question.
1: <laughs> if I had to pick one thing, if I had to pick one memory, um. Was being, golly, if I'm picking one thing. <laughs> this, that's hard. Um, I'll tell you collectively, because I'm going to, I want to, if it's going to be a memory, I want to, inv- I want it to be a memory that, that includes all the guys. Yeah. It was standing on stage at the other world before we went, we went on and we put up, we put up like if you if you'd ever been to the other world, and we put up because uh, again nobody knew what we looked like, so we put up this scrim, like after like Bellyfield played that sh- Bellyfield played that show, oh man, and now the band the other local band is gonna be pissed off at me because I don't remember. Uh, and then we had a band out of Boston, Boston called Fledgling, uh, that was the first band, and I'm sorry. For the second band, I know if somebody hears this, they're going to be super pissed off, and I apologize. So anyway, we're standing there, and, you know, we used – look, we played live, but we used a lot of – we used a lot of stuff on stage to make noise that we couldn't make, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know, and so (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> and we used a back then, which a lot of people did. I mean, nine inch nails did. I mean, we could go on and on about the bands who used them. And Kurt hits play, and we get an error message. And I look at Kurt, and I'm just and I just go, go for it. And I'm giving him the roll it because at this point, like the the intro is already rolling but he's getting an error message on the ADAC controller. And we just all looked at each other and said, here we go.
0: Yep. Can't turn back now. Let's go.
1: <laughs> and, right. And, and I remember pulling that scrim down. We had, we had a, we had a person on stage right and stage left, close friends, of course. And then I was in the middle and it looked like, cause we were backlit and it looked like I was kind of clawing like sort of some, like dramatically clawing at this thing and I wasn't I was just trying to grab it but it but it looked like I was doing some crazy thing and I remember pulling that thing down as we go. We opened with guilty by the way. It's our first show. It's like fuck it. This is what <laughs> they came for we're gonna give it to them right at the top of the show. It wasn't you know it wasn't hey we were gonna wait to the end. And that ching ching chink and the band kicks in, and a thousand people like lunged at the stage, <laughs> and and that was, and it was, and that was. I never felt that way on stage before that, and I never felt that way on stage after that.
0: Yeah, and the beauty part about all the uh, back in those days, you know, I mean, we had no cell phones. We had stage diving. We had watch pits, you know, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it got a little wild.
1: <laughs> yeah. And there were, yeah. And, and, you know, and I could say this, look, it's 2022. There were, there were a couple, there were a couple, um, there were some things going on in the f- front row with the barricade. There were some two, there were two young ladies giving me a sex show. <laughs> Um, My grandparents were there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was a bit, like, a bit I'm trying a, to take all this in.
0: You had a bit of a and, complex uh, out there like, I don't know what's going on.
1: Right. And there's, you know, there's, yeah, and so I'm like, I'm almost, it was like, it was one of those moments in like the first sort of 10 minutes of the show, it's, it's almost hard to remember because, you know, there's so much going on that, um, you know, I mean, it, that I was just, tra- you know, again, I'm like, I'm watching these girls go at it. My grandparents, I can see them in the back of the room. So I'm, so you I can can't really watch- enjoy it fully. <laughs> right. So, I'm, so there's this weird thing, like my past, my present, and my future are all happening at the same time
0: before we get off here i just want to on behalf of everyone st louis wise we still appreciate your music we still love you guys and i'm going to continue to keep the the spirit alive
1: as hey, long Tony, as i can thank you i mean you know that's super cool and you know that, dude, i don't even know what to say and again we i just took up two and a half hours of time to <laughs> never yeah, get back no man um, is great yeah you know, but um you know, you and I—you know—we're probably closer in age, you know, than some. Of, you know, these kids we're talking to. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, we've cut our teeth in a different time. And I hate to sound like an old timer, but because I do embrace like digital technology, and you're embracing this—you know, this—you know, you're embracing all this stuff too. But maybe you know, you wish you could. You know, you could. You—it's it, kind of like you know now, if you wish that you could sort of shake the 18 year old self
3: <laughs>
1: and go, man, if you really pay attention, you could change the world, Yeah, but we just don't pay attention to everything then. And then by the time you, now you're trying to change the world and we're playing, you know, we're playing catch up and, uh, but we're, but we're not because you've evolved, you know, we've all evolved and that's, you know, that's what, that's what's so cool about what you're doing now is it's that. You you were in a you are in a medium that you somehow decided that you did not want to be a part of anymore, and you wanted to have a little bit more control. You took control of it. And now you're doing something else that gets you out of bed every day and you're excited about. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, that's that's what success is, and that's what um, I didn't understand when I was um, 20 or 25 yeah. years old. Same way with I me. Yeah.
0: I, I put it like this: It's like. There's points with lawyer like, man, I wish I had all of this stuff when I was like, you know, 19, 20 years old. But then again, if I did this when I was 19 or 20 years old, I wouldn't do it correctly and for the right reasons. If that makes yeah, sense. You wouldn't have yeah.
1: The, yeah, you wouldn't have the drive and you'd add, you know, and you're looking to a horizon at that point. Like what's next instead of always, you're not, you don't live in the moment enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that's, you know, and that's too, you know. Where I'm at in my life too. I mean, I you know, I I try to be conscious and live in the moment so much now, and you know, and mainly too. I mean, I, you know, you know, having like my wife is so awesome, and you know, and um, having you know, having that in your life too is a little bit you know keeps you in a little bit different place too. When you don't feel you know, when you can live every day like you know, you want to be in the middle of every day versus, you know, you're thinking about yesterday or worried about tomorrow. Um, My wife's got a really cool way of keeping me sort of in what's happening today and now. And and not that it's it's not a thing that she does that like you need to stay. It's like, you know, it's just she makes me want to be there, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's um, you know, I'm throwing stuff out to my wife too. I'm just in a different, you know, I'm not the <laughs> same guy that made all those records. Although there's part of me that still exists that made those records just like you. This is a, you know, you got into radio for whatever you did. There's part of that guy that still exists, but you evolved into something else. And and that's kind of where I'm at now. I mean, if, I, if we did a Gravity Kills record, Tony, it'd be hard to say what it would be, <laughs> you know? we you know people and people ask you this they're going what do you have left to be pissed off about well I think we have more to be pissed off about now quite frankly yeah but you know I mean but you know you could find you could find motivation wherever you need to find it but it'd be interesting just to see you know because everybody's you know we've all got kids now um you know we're all in different places you know kids change your life you know kids having a kid if they don't there's something wrong yeah, and that
0: changes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it changes the way you look at things. And you know, I was a, you know, I was a bit of an egomaniac. You know, a bit of a narcissist. People might still call me that. I don't know, fuck. But, um, you know, I was I was paid to be a narcissist for a long time. And um, and the things that made you the most dangerous to yourself made you the best product that people could sell. Oh yeah. And, um, and yeah, you know, I wouldn't have any interest in any of that now. Yeah. Dude, just, you know, um, I appreciate your time. I know you got to go. You're going
0: Jesus Christ, no, Christ, I, Christ. I am not. I'm like, I know my girlfriend's text and She's like, so how'd the interview going?" I'm like, well, we're still on the phone. She's like, oh, really? Like, yeah. Like we're just, Talking about it, nobody
1: will listen to Jeff anymore. He's he's starved for attention.
0: Well, that's the other way around. Nobody will talk to me, so it's like it's a win-win for both of us.
1: Um, Um, yeah, and and once we, you know, let's you know, if something happens with new music, I'll make sure that you have it. And uh, I actually did. um, My wife today actually is like, you just need to do it, Um, and. That's like, really, that's that happened today. So uh, I don't know that I'm going like I haven't made the decision like, yes, tomorrow I'm going to be because, you know, I still book, you know, I still I'll be in the office. You know, who knows? I'll be booking the Travis trip date tomorrow or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm joking, but you never know. But anyway, yeah, but yeah, I've got time here. And at some point. Um, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you know, the the journey begins with the first step. So you just have to go sit down, flip everything on and go, not only I'm going to make noise, but I'm going to make it coherent and I'm going to have a, a start point and an end point and see if it makes, you know, see if, see if it's coherent. And, uh, and if it does, then maybe that leads to something else. Maybe it leads to a second thing. And I don't know, but and you never know too. I talked to you know, I'm talking to I talked to Doug, Matt, and Kurt. We bounce text constantly, and it's about everything but the band normally. Uh, we've had stuff going on with the band. We had a trademark issue in the last couple of years. We've had all kinds of stuff that's happened lately. We had a publishing issue that we had to take care of overseas. It was like weird stuff. But we're always talking to each other and um, you know, we never shut the door on any of that stuff. It's just, um, you know, I think what'll happen is, because Kurt wants to, always wants to do something. So if I if I start doing this and finish the song, I almost think I would think that at that point the guys may go, hey, maybe we sh- maybe we c- could do it, you know, four songs or something. I yeah, don't know. Just it,
0: put an EP out there just for the fun of it, and
1: yeah, and, yeah. you know, I don't know, just. It would be, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what, to me anyway, may not to be anybody else. To me, it would be interesting to hear what this band would sound like 25 years later.
0: Yeah, especially after you, you know, we've already talked about this, but after you've lived some life without it. You know, and you'll, one, you have all those things that, that you love like your children now and, and things like that and your wife and et cetera, but also the appreciation of, you know, what you guys had did instead of like back in the day when you did not appreciate, you know, you weren't appreciating it at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and ultimately fighting it, Tony. I mean, really fighting it and, you know, and it'd so be a different
0: uh, process of of writing where you're not writing something for it to necessarily be super successful. It's just for the fun of it. Now let's see what it sounds like. You,
1: you know, know what? And that's how we did the first record. Yep. That's the difference. And yep. that's, you know, and that's, and really, yeah. You, you know, when you start trying to factor in like, cause not everybody can be Prince or yep. David Bowie,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, or Metallica for that matter, you know, where, it's like at times the departures, you know, piss off fans and they, and then, but then they gain, but then they gain other fans. You know, it's like not everybody can be that. Yep. And, uh, and you can't have any fear. And I think that's, you know, and that's an important lesson for, again, back to some, you know, some 17 year old kid that's shredding guitar in his bedroom. Yep. You know, man, you just, you know, trust yourself first and, you know, because everybody else, um, you know, trust the band, the band should trust themselves first and everybody else is, you know, anybody else that's around when a band starts getting some success, they're there for other reasons.
0: I'll tell you what, man, you're in town, man. Hit me up and you know, we'll hang or something. We'll figure something out.
1: Right on, man. It's, yeah, I really do appreciate this. It was fun and you know, you you know, you asked some good questions, made me think a lot. So I appreciate that.
0: I appreciate your time. I know we ran a lot longer than we both thought we would, but hey man, it's all good. I enjoyed it. All
1: right, man. All right. Well tell your yeah, tell your your girlfriend I apologize.
0: <laughs> She'll be good, man. I appreciate all right, it. Man. Thank you. Mm, bye. Bye. This is Beyond FM.